listening to the Business of Baking podcast with Michelle Green, the small business podcast that's all about successfully running your own sweet food company without losing your mind. If you've ever brought dessert to a party and been told you can make a fortune selling those, then you're in the right place. This is an honest, straight-talking podcast about the highs and lows of being in small business. Fueled by late nights, crazy client stories, and a permanent sugar high, we're going to listen, share, and learn our way to sweet business success. Here's your host, writer, speaker, recovering cake decorator, and incurable sweet tooth, Michelle Green. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Business of Baking. It's Michelle. I hope you're doing well. I hope you're having a fantastic week. I hope you're just enjoying every day and being grateful for it every day because we should all be doing that, really. Today for the podcast episode, I thought we'd do something a little bit fun. Now, I've done something similar before in that I'm going to read an article, or in this case, two articles that were originally published on the blog and then edited and republished for the Business of Baking book. If you haven't seen the book, it's a collection of essays and blog posts and things that I wrote over a period of several years, and then I turned that into a book. And not surprisingly, it's called The Business of Baking because I went with really original title there. And if you don't own a copy, you can easily purchase one at Barnes & Noble Online, at Amazon Online, or you can just go to the website, thebizofbaking.com, and click on book. And there's a whole bunch of links to places you can buy it and own your own copy. If you're listening to this in Australia and you order it directly from me, lucky you, you actually get a signed copy, which is really nice. And of course, should I ever meet you in real life, I'm more than happy to sign existing copies. Actually, one of the things that makes me really happy is that when I'm overseas teaching or even here in Australia teaching, and people bring me a copy of their book and it looks like it's been through the washing machine, like wrinkled pages and like chocolate stuck to it and whatever. That always makes me super happy because I think this person actually used this book. I mean, or possibly they just dropped it in the washing machine, <laughs> but it always makes me happy to think of it being used. And I've gotten some really beautiful people sending me photos of selfies with themselves in the book as well. And honestly, this thing is professionally probably my pride and joy. And I am really proud of it. And I really love it. And you can still get it and people still find it relevant. And they leave me really beautiful reviews and everything. Now, this is a really good example of done is better than perfect. So I had the book professionally edited, I think, three times by various people. And the problem I have is that because I grew up in the United States, but I have been living in Australia for so long, I mix Australian spellings and American spellings all the time. And also, because originally most of these were blog posts, a lot of them refer to things like, you know, so today on the blog, blah, blah, blah. Now, I tried to edit as many of those out. And like I said, I paid people to do the editing for me. And I sent this out in the world. And one of the very first bits of feedback I got was, the typos in this drive me crazy. Now, I have looked at this book lots of times. And yes, there are definitely typos in it, but that does not take away at all from the quality of the book. And could I have obsessed over every single letter? Yeah, sure, I probably could have. But at the end of the day, this book made it out into the world and is helping a whole lot of people. And I don't think some typos necessarily take away from that. And a couple of times I've thought about republishing it and re-editing it and going again. And I just keep thinking, is that the best use of my time? Like, is that something that's really going to make a huge amount of difference to the value this book is providing in the world? And the answer is no. So someday I might update it with more current blog posts or information. But for the moment, I just think it's doing its job. It's out there in the world teaching people great things. And that's a good thing. So for today, I wanted to have a little bit of fun. This season feels like we've had a lot of fun together, but it's been a little bit heavier than previous seasons. You know, I talked about leaving your business. I talked about some serious stuff. 
So for today, I wanted to read what's possibly, I think, one of the most fun articles that's in this book. And I think I might read the second one too, because it actually had a follow-up and it just honestly makes me laugh. Now, to give you a little bit of context here, the article I'm going to read is all about the kinds of customers we get. Now, at the time that I wrote this, I meant it very tongue-in-cheek, just like funny, silly, a little bit of, just a little bit of, I don't know, I guess reminding ourselves that what we do is important, but that, you know what, stereotypes exist, even in our industry among clients. So the funny thing is that when I wrote the first one, I had a whole bunch of people tell me it was hilarious. I got a lot of really positive feedback. A bunch of people like, oh, this is so true, (laughs) right? And then when I wrote the follow-up, I got a whole bunch of blowback. So I had a whole bunch of people like, you know, Michelle, that's not a serious blog post. And you know, it's not nice to make fun of people that way. And like, how dare you, blah, blah. But you know what? Once in a while, don't we have to laugh at ourselves and each other? I never understood why people took this so seriously. So with that kind of small disclaimer, let me say that I hope you don't take this too seriously. It's meant to be a little bit of fun. It's meant to be very much real life experiences that I lived and that you probably have too. So here we go. This article comes from the Business of Baking book and blog, and it's called You Couldn't Pay Me Enough. I've been in this business long enough to know from about one minute into a phone call if the person I'm talking to is going to make my life a living hell. I've answered enough emails to know it just from their initial inquiry, and I can almost always tell within a minute or two of meeting them. Either they're awesome or I want to run a mile from them. You learn to develop a sort of sixth sense about your clientele, and I can guarantee that the ones you think are going to be painful are going to be painful. I can also guarantee that it's the painful ones whose cakes will slide, melt, break, or fade, and whose deliveries will go astray, whose payments will be incorrectly credited. It's like the universe knows, and she just tries to smack you in the face with reminders that you should never have agreed to their order in the first place. Karma. It exists, even in cake. In the early days, I used to take on every single order, even if I knew the person wasn't going to be worth it. Hell, I needed and I wanted the money and the practice, and I couldn't really, or I didn't think I could, afford to be picky about my customers. A paying client is a paying client, right? These days, I deal with this fairly simply. I charge them an exorbitant irritation fee, or what my husband, in his very Australian way, calls the embuggerance factor. Basically, I quote them an obscene amount of money, enough which will make dealing with them worth it. 99% of the time, they run for it and they never come back to me, in which case, it's a problem solved. 1% of the time they take me up on it. And then if their cake survives the universe kicking it around, they end up loving me and will almost always pay ridiculous amounts into the future. Win, win. Here are the clients to whom I'm much more likely to charge an irritation fee. The do you know who I am client? She promises you that if you give her a good deal on her order, she'll bring you lots of business because she has more friends and family than, you know, God or Justin Bieber. And because she got a good deal with you, All of them are going to come beating down your door demanding cake, but never mind that they're too going to want a good deal. Then there's the too cool for school client. She tells you that normally she would make this cake herself, but she's just so busy and important and talented and egotistical and genius that she just isn't going to have to be able to do it this year. So you, her inferior slave labor, you're being granted the honor of doing it for her. The something simple client. She tells you she wants something simple and then reads you a list of 72 features this cake needs to have, including being able to fix her marriage and teach her kid how to read. But it's just something simple, right? So it shouldn't cost too much. The I trust you client. 
who tells you that you've got creative free reign and you can do whatever you like as long as the cake is pink and round and eight inches and it has an owl on it, a purple owl with blue wings and spots and stripes and it looks exactly like the one in the picture she sent you. But really, feel free to do whatever you like because I trust you, really. The I really can't afford it client. You know the one. She's having a wedding for 500 people, but her cake budget is $200 and she doesn't understand why you're so expensive. It's just flour and sugar, right? She can afford 500 guests at $100 a plate, but she can't afford to spend more than 50 cents a serving on the cake. How does that work? The presto changeo rearrangeo client, the one who agrees with the design and price, she pays the deposit and then continually but slowly over a long period of time, so apparently you won't notice, suddenly changes or adds in more and more elements to her cake and her order, and she's surprised when you gently tell her that three more tiers might cost a wee bit more than you originally quoted. The never-gonna-learn client, no matter how often you tell her that you need 48 hours notice, she always calls the night before the party. Because apparently, it's really easy to forget you have 100 people coming around tomorrow, all of whom are expecting cake to be there. The hold my hand client. This is the one who brings her mother with her to the design appointment, and she asks her mother for an opinion on every single element, and then goes with what her mother said, even if she disagrees with it. Now, it's kind of hard to tell here which one of them is your client, but I guarantee you it's going to be the mother who complains later. Guaranteed. The, is she serious right now, client? She's the one who asks for something completely impossible and is miffed when you politely explain that you cannot bend time, you cannot defy gravity, time travel, or make cakes bake faster. I had one of these recently. A client called and gave me less than 18 hours to produce a scale model of the Sydney Opera House on a budget of $200. Just between you and me, I might have done it had she added an extra zero to the end of that budget. The do-you-know-who-I-am client, version 2.0, the name dropper. I'm really sorry, but being Ashton Kutcher's first grade teacher does not entitle you to a discount. Now, of course, this entire article does come with the disclaimer that I've got loads of lovely clients and I treat everyone with respect, but it's amazing and amusing to me how often examples of these types of clients come up. Kind of funny, actually, that reading these now, I still get people like this, even though I don't sell cake. Like the people like, if you would give me free entry into your course, I'll tell all my friends about it or that sort of stuff. And as the rise and rise of social media influencers has grown, these kind of people that do you know who I am, the, you know, I want a million things, all, you know, I really can't afford it, but then spending a bunch of money, that kind of comes up even more and more and more. So there we go. So I'm just going to continue with part two because reading this just absolutely, <laughs> it brings back so many funny memories of so many people asking me just to do impossible things, right? And I believe in impossible things, but oh man, sometimes you just have to shake your head. You know, it's just one of those things. And the truth of the matter is, these people are honestly the exception. They really are. Like most of the time, you honestly get beautiful, loving, amazing people who really want to support you in your business. But every once in a while, you get people like this. Now, I don't think I've mentioned it, but there's also the I have to ask my husband client, <laughs> who is the person who calls you, drives you absolutely nuts. You get all the way through the process until the price. And at the price, suddenly they go, oh, I'm just going to have to ask my husband. 
which by the way, this happens in every culture. I've had people from Africa, people from Asia, from people from all kinds of places telling me that they have this, I have to ask my husband thing. You know what? <laughs> in retrospect, maybe that's like a really good excuse to use even if you don't have a husband. You're like, yeah, I have to ask my husband on like anything. <laughs> just run for it. The feminist in me hates that idea, but there's a part of me that's like, hmm, maybe that's just a convenient excuse to use, right? Okay, so here we go. I'm going to read you guys part two of this. You couldn't pay me enough, part two. So just now I read you that tongue-in-cheek list of the types of clients who get charged the irritation fee. You should know actually that that post was and remains the most read post on the blog, which is funny. And I think that's because we can all relate to it. We've all had that kind of client, right? The one who makes you never want to bake another cake or macaron the ones that make you doubt yourself, the ones who irritate you and get under your skin and frankly, just piss you right off, right? So since writing that original article, a couple more types of clients have come to mind. So I'm, I'm going to share them with you. And you know what? As I always say, it's not always rainbow sprinkles in here. And I think sometimes we need to just take a minute to have a laugh or 10. So here's some more clients that if I could, I would throw rainbow sprinkles right at them. First, the desperate till dollars client. This is the one who calls you in a total panic because she either forgot she had a party for 100 people happening tomorrow, got let down by another cake maker, or she claims she did, or frankly, she just plain forgot to order her cake. She's totally desperate, needs it exactly one minute from now, and the order has a details list as long as your arm. This customer will beg plead, demand, whine, ask, and wheedle you until you agree to make it on super short notice. And then as soon as you tell her the price, guess what? She suddenly finds she needs to speak to her husband about it and will never call you back. And your phone grows cobwebs while waiting for her call. Those clients absolutely used to drive me crazy. Like they'd call begging, I need it. Oh my God. Yes, yes, yes. They're agreeing to everything. And then at the price, suddenly they don't need it so desperately. Whether they need to speak to the husband or not, I just find that people desperately want something at short notice will drive you bonkers and then they hear the price and they suddenly don't have this desperate need. Then we have the unique and different client. She'll make you crazy from a design point of view and a flavor point of view because she needs to impress all her friends by being different and original and special. You'll pull out all of your baking and decorating superpowers to please her and you'll give her something different. And you're going to agree to try things you've never tried before just in the quest to be the best real housewife she can be and the best baker you can be. And then she'll order a round chocolate cake, which looks exactly like the ones her friend ordered last week because everybody likes chocolate, right? I used to get customers like this all the time. People who desperately wanted to do something different, be different, be unique, stand out. And then at like the 11th hour, they would panic because they thought people wouldn't like it and therefore by extension wouldn't like them. The number of times I designed super cool stuff or came up with super cool flavors. And then at the end, people were like, oh, maybe I should just go with chocolate. Everybody likes chocolate, right? Oh, you used to drive me crazy. Then we have the you decide client. She hands you two designs or maybe more and she can't pick them. So in the end, she just said, I can't decide. They're just both so amazing. You decide. And against your better judgment, you do and you decide on one. But she doesn't like your decision. But nor does she like her decision either. Because honestly, it's best to give up. She'll never win and nor will you. Oh my God. Do you know, I actually recently learned 
a really cool trick for this, which you may have heard, which is that if you find yourself truly unable to make a decision between two things, between A or B, flip a coin in the air and notice what you're hoping is going to land. So, you know, when you flip a coin in the air and you're like chocolate or vanilla, chocolate or vanilla, and like the coin is in the air and you're like, oh, I hope it's chocolate, I hope it's chocolate. <laughs> like that's your answer right there. So if I had the you decide client again, I would literally be handing her a coin being like, let's flip on it, babe, because <laughs> I think that's the best solution. Then there's the is it moist client. She asks you what your best selling flavor is, asks you what flavor is your favorite, and then insults you totally by saying, but is it moist? Because like all cakes are dry, right? And I don't want to eat a dry cake. And like, you know, last time I ordered a cake, it was dry. <laughs> Or my personal, they ask you, is your cake nice? Is it nice? Is that a good flavor? Is that good to eat? Do, like, do people like it? No, lady. I sell crappy dry cake and I tell my clients that it's crappy and dry. <laughs> what the heck is going on here? Like, I've never understood when I say, oh, our best-selling flavor is our chocolate mud. And people answer with like, oh, but is it nice? No, it's awful. Like, what is the right answer to say? And also, if it wasn't nice, do you think I'd be in business? I don't understand that. <laughs> is it moist? Is it nice? It's like, <laughs> I've never understood that. Then there is the complainer client. Oh gosh. She comes to you with endless complaints about other companies who did her wrong, whose cakes sucked, whose service was bad, who charged her too much, blah, 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 blah. And she's hoping that you are the one who will represent the entire industry and turn all her other experiences around. Now, rest assured, you can create her the most amazing cake and give her the most amazing service and practically kiss her feet. But next year, she'll be complaining about you to someone else. <laughs> I seriously make myself laugh. I've run into so many of these people. This is just hilarious. Okay, then there's the progress report client. She calls you a lot. She calls to check how you're doing, to check how the product is progressing, to make sure you've got the details right, to see if you're done yet, to see if you've started yet, to see if you remember the shade of blue, just to check in, to see if you can send her photos, to see how it's coming along. And you want to say to her, seriously, lady, it's a dozen cupcakes. Get a grip. <laughs> Side note, don't ever send progress photos. It's just an invitation for people to drive you crazy. <laughs> then there's the she who must be obeyed client. She will not take no for an answer. It doesn't matter what you tell her. You're booked out this week. You don't make cakes that are orange. You don't make penis cakes. She's convinced that for her, for her, she'll do anything, including making her a cake the same week that you're on vacation in a flavor you don't offer, in a shape you don't make, because, you know, it's for her and she's special and she must be obeyed. <laughs> Then there's the, I know what I'm talking about client. So she went to another company and got a quote on a cake and now she's shopping this idea around to everyone else. So she emails or calls and she asks for things with very specific industry information she clearly does not understand. So how much does a 12 inch cake cost? Well, it depends a bit on your design. Tell me, how many people do you need to feed? Um, I've got 10 guests, so I think 12 inches will be enough, right? Now, I'm not sure where these people get their information, but it's almost always wildly out of proportion to what they need. Now, the opposite is also true. I just need something small and simple, like I'm thinking a seven inch or so, it's for 280 people. <laughs> or I need faux tears. Really? Why? Because this cake design requires them. 
Now, sometimes this happens when you are getting price checked by other cake decorators or other people who make sweet food. And that's totally fine. But usually you can tell the difference between somebody who knows what they're talking about and somebody who just has shopped this thing around enough and gotten enough information that they really think they know what they're talking about. It's like the people who go to Dr. Google for uh, diagnoses and then go to the doctor and like, oh my God, I have shingles. Like, no, you don't. You just have a pimple. Right? So it's just... (laughs) The people who think they know more than they do... And look, I'm all for educating clients. Don't get me wrong, but sometimes you just have to laugh at the things people ask for, right? Okay, then there's the nobody eats cake, do they, client? I get this one almost every day. People who call and ask for quotes, hear the price, and then assure me that nobody ever eats cake. So surely they can get away with less cake? Yes, of course, because a wedding with 300 people, it looks really fabulous if the cake is smaller than a lunchbox because Nobody eats it anyway, right? And by the way, apparently nobody eats cake because it's all dry and not nice. (laughs) The number of people who told me nobody eats cake was unbelievable. I always got that, especially for kids' cakes. Like, I'd say, oh, okay, how many people are you feeding? Oh, 20. Oh, but like, we don't really need that much because like nobody eats cake. Really? If nobody ate cake, I wouldn't be in business. For heaven's sake, I never understood the nobody eat cake thing. Now, of course, if you're having like a wedding that also has desserts or you're having a kid's party that also has candy or whatever, yes, I get it. They're not eating like huge portions. But to constantly tell a cake maker that nobody eats cake is almost offensive as asking them if it's nice (laughs) or if it's moist. And lastly, we have the refund me client. I didn't like her very much, by the way. Either her husband or partner saw the bill or her sister insulted her choice of cake or she needs a couple hundred bucks to pay for a new handbag. Either way, it only occurs to her to call and ask for a refund after the cake has been delivered, eaten, and enjoyed. Because, you know, it wasn't cooked or the top was crooked or whatever. She just wants or needs her money back. I actually came across this, you know, happily not too often, but I read a lot from my students about coming across clients like this who demand, you know, like they order the cake, they're happy. They pick up the cake, they're happy. They, whatever the cake, like they're happy, 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 happy. And then all of a sudden they're hit with buyer's remorse, you know, either five minutes later or weeks and weeks later. And they suddenly want a refund. And you're like, why do you now want a refund? Like you were happy with how it looked when you picked it up. Everybody seemed okay. Now suddenly you're not cool with it. And the best story I have about this is that I once made a dozen cupcakes, legit a dozen cupcakes, very early in my business. I will never forget these. They were a three color swirl buttercream. It was blue, pink, and orange, which just should not go together to be honest. And each one had a fondant star on top that was silver and then it was dipped in edible glitter. Mind you, this is before edible glitter was fully edible. So possibly I wasn't doing the right thing there, but anywho. So this guy ordered it for his girlfriend and he, the order was really weird. Like he kept referring to the girlfriend by her name. I can't remember what her name was now. Let's just call her Jenny. Like, oh, Jenny loves these colors. Oh, Jenny insists on there being a star on top. Oh, Jenny's going to this and Jenny's going to that and Jenny's going to the other. And it was for her birthday. And he was just a pain in my backside, calling me, checking on me, like just drove me mental. Anyway, he came to pick up the cupcakes and he was like, wow, these look amazing. Thank you so much. Jenny's going to love them. Jenny's going to be really happy. Like it was just super weird. 
and it was a Saturday. And the next day I had like a bunch of missed calls from this number. And I'm like, what the heck? Why do I have all these missed calls? So I picked up my phone and I had a voicemail and I listened to the voicemail. And it was that guy absolutely screaming at me that Jenny was unhappy and Jenny didn't like them and Jenny this and Jenny that and Jenny the other. And I'm, I'm like, what the heck? So I called him back. And I discovered that Jenny was unhappy because it turns out that when I piped the cupcakes, the buttercream didn't go all the way to the very edge of the paper, like the icing didn't meet the paper. Now, if you looked at any of my cupcakes on my website, they never did. They were always just slightly, you know, I don't know, eighth of an inch or something in so that you could see the actual cake part. And Jenny was extremely unhappy about this. She did not get what she wanted and she chucked some sort of tantrum. So I said to the guy, look, these cupcakes look amazing and they don't look any different than any other ones I've made. I'm sorry, Jenny's unhappy, but at the end of the day, like if you looked at our website, you would have seen that that's what all our cupcakes look like. And if you had a different specification, you had to let me know about that. You can't just like spring that on me and tell me Jenny's unhappy. Anyway, I then said to him, look, where are the cupcakes now? Like if you want to bring them back to me, yeah, I can't believe I offered this by the way. If you want to bring them back to me, I can scrape the icing off and I'll just do them again. It's no problem or whatever. And he's like, no, Jenny is very unhappy now and they're not salvageable. And I said, what do you mean they're like not salvageable? So I had presented them to him in a white box with cupcake holes in it. You know, you have that like thing that you stick in the box with the holes and she had, or he had, I don't even know who had, somebody took them all out of the box and threw them into the plastic bag. So he literally had like a plastic bag filled with mushed up dead cupcakes. Like Jenny had a tantrum is what happened. And he absolutely went ape on me. And I uh, can't remember now, actually, because it was a very long time. I can't remember if I refunded him or if I just went, yeah, this dude is crazy and chucked it up to that. But that was definitely a situation that I was not going to win. And I felt like giving the guy advice, like, listen, man, I think it's time to dump Jenny and find someone a little more reasonable. I don't know. I've had all kinds of sorts of crazy people do crazy things. But most of the time, it was because I didn't trust my instinct. I didn't trust my gut. I didn't listen to the voice in my head that was like, Michelle, this is a bad idea. So honestly, if I had to give you any advice, it's that remember that you're always going to get a couple of crazy clients now and again. That's just how it works, right? You just occasionally get some crazies, but also you really need to trust your gut. And if you are accepting an order that you know you shouldn't, or if you are feeling like this person is going to be more trouble than they're worth, then I invite you to either tell them you simply can't do their order or tell them you don't think that you're going to be able to make them happy. Recommend somebody else if you'd like to, or simply back out. So one of the things we need to remember is that we are not slaves and we're not beholden to people's craziness. And some people simply aren't worth the money, the energy, or the effort. I'd love to hear if you've had any clients who fit this bill. There's always some entertaining stories. You know, sometimes I read things from my students and I'm like, man, just when you think you've heard it all, you get something else that just makes you scratch your head and go, what the what? I've heard some pretty insane stories and maybe that needs to be a podcast episode where I share crazy stories that people have told me about crazy clients. You know, like I said, most of the time they're loving and wonderful people who are supporting us truly, but every once in a while you get a couple of people that just really make you question your sanity and possibly theirs, really. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. I hope you've enjoyed the episode so far of this season. Don't worry, we've got lots of cool interviews coming up and a couple more solo shows as well. We're going to have a lot of fun together. 
I'm so glad you're here and listening. I'm always happy to get feedback. So please either leave a review on your favorite podcast app, or you can just send me an email. And let me know what you think. It's michelle at thebizofbaking.com. And yes, I answer all my own emails. So I'm really happy to hear from you and let me know what you think. And if you're interested in doing some classes with me, I've now opened the online learning store, which means you can have access to all sorts of great stuff about marketing, about pricing, about motivation. There's a lot of really great classes in there at all different price points. So if you can only just afford a little bit to get your education started, that's totally okay. That's what I'm here for. But as usual, the blog and this podcast are entirely free and hopefully we're learning together. Thanks so much for listening today. Have an awesome week. And you know what? Don't just be in the business of baking. Be in the business of being awesome. Thanks for listening to the Business of Baking podcast. You can find show notes, links, and other fun stuff for this and previous episodes at thebizofbaking.com. Until next time, may your oven stay evenly hot, your ganache never split, and may you always be in the business of being awesome.